So welcome to the Primary Care Women's Health Forum podcast series. And for this episode, we're going to be talking with one of our board directors and menopause specialist, Dr. Louise Newson. Hello. Welcome, Louise. Thank you, Carl. It's a pleasure. Um, so the Primary Care Women's Health Forum, we've uh, really upped the game in terms of the quality of education that the yeah. forum are doing at the moment. It's really exciting. I'm really pleased to be on board. Like you know, I've been a director for a while, and although I'm not so interested in all general um, women's health, I'm very interested in the menopause, and it's great. So tell us some of the things that you're doing. So, so we've got um, a series of events mm. that are happening. We've got eight events happening throughout the country for healthcare professionals to attend. Um, and we've had a fantastic response to that. So that's doctors and nurses, doctors, pharmacists, nurses, anyone? Anyone Brilliant. at all. Okay. Healthcare professionals across the board. Yeah. And this year what we've introduced for the first time is a membership programme. Right. So we've actually got a paid membership programme and part of that paid membership allows people, healthcare professionals, as members of the Primary Care Women's Health Forum, to uh, have discounts to some of those events and mm -hmm. educational activities that we're doing, which is fantastic with a journal that we're going to be producing shortly. So, so an old-fashioned written journal in paper. Old-fashioned written journal Good. rather like than that. an e-version, but you'll be able to access both, yes. which is important. Yeah. Mm. So people can access their learning how they want to. So that's so. great. Yeah, it's good news. So there's lots of activities going on, of which this podcast series is just part of it. Yes, very exciting to be involved. So essentially it's our opportunity to meet um, some key people across the country who are involved in education, but also who are involved in seeing women mm. and treating women mm. and improving their outcomes and quality of life. Yes. And menopause clearly is one of the big Indeed. areas. So how did you get involved in the menopause yeah. and becoming a menopause specialist? Well, it's quite a long story, actually. I've always been really interested in the menopause because as a GP, as I'm sure you're aware, there's so much you can't do. You want to help as many women and men as possible, but sometimes you can't change things or can't improve things, or it can be a bit frustrating. So, for example, if you have a diabetic who you want to treat, but they won't take the medication or they carry on eating McDonald's or whatever, it can be frustrating. Whereas menopausal women often can be in a very dark place. But then when you treat them, they come back and say, thank you, doctor, my life has improved. And it's very rewarding, very humbling. And it's a great privilege to be a doctor because you get exposed to so many different types of people. But when women come back and thank you, it's, it's, it makes all the hard work worthwhile. So I've always done it. But actually, there's, as you know, there's a lot of antagonism about HRT. There's been a lot of poor reporting in the media. There's a lot of scaremongering. So I've actually had stand-up rows with partners at work in the past about HRT because I've given it to women and they've said, no, take off because it's going to give them breast cancer. So it's been quite uncomfortable. And then, as you know, in November 2015, the NICE, the National Institute of Health and Care Excellence Guidelines, came out. Um, and they were very exciting for someone like me because they show that for the majority of women, the benefits of HRT outweigh the risks. As you know, they go through all the evidence. They're very, very simply written. Um, but actually, I thought, great, I can do something with menopause work without other people saying, well, it's just your interpretation of the evidence. So I decided to do some more training. I did my um, two-day advanced um, training course, which was fantastic, with Sarah Gray, who, as yeah. you know, is one of the directors one of the for directors. the forum. 
Um, and we sat and had lunch and she, I said, Sarah, I want to see more women because I feel what I'm seeing in my general practice isn't enough. And a lot of my friends, because I'm at that certain age, are menopausal and they keep getting antidepressants and I don't think they're depressed. She said, well, set up a clinic. I said, oh, no, Anne, I can't do that. I'm not, I'm not good enough. She said, yeah, you can. Call yourself an expert and um, do a clinic. So I bravely went to my local hospital who thought I was crazy talking about the menopause, but very kindly allowed me to set up a clinic. I've also always done a lot of medical writing, a lot of education. As you know, I've done a lot of work with the Royal College of GPs, and I still do. But I've also done a lot of patient writing as well, which is quite different, as you know, to doctor writing. So I decided to set up a website to have some really good evidence-based, non-biased information for women um, based around the NICE guidance and other evidence about the menopause. So I set up a clinic to help a few local people um, a couple of years ago and it spiralled out of control. I went from one day to three days a week, six month waiting list and I thought, well, I'm either going to have to run away or do something more. So, so hence I've set up a menopause and wellbeing centre to have other GPs working with me. Um, and it, it, it's been very interesting but it's also quite frustrating because training in the menopause is quite varied. There's a big demand for training, there's a big waiting list, so um, to do the specialist certificate has been a lot of hard work, I've, I'm an, I've got the advanced um, certificate which is great, but I, I hear all the time that GPs are struggling with education, so I'm always trying to think of savvy ways of trying to educate healthcare professionals, certainly through the forum, and also to empower women, because in, when you're in general practice, you're just speaking to that one person and you're, you, you treat them, they carry on. And then suddenly I'm exposed to women from all over the country who come and they're telling me these stories, Carl, about how they've been suffering for 10 years because no one's listened to them. They keep giving them antidepressants or... You've done a survey yeah. on that, haven't I you? I have, yeah. Um, so we did a survey just, just online. We did, put it through social media. We had nearly 3,000 replies in a couple of weeks. So good numbers. Um, and it was just to tease out people's experience of the menopause. And it echoes what I see in the, my practice. So the majority of women um, had had a poor experience. They'd had to see more than one doctor. Um, they had felt if they did have HRT, they found the actual giving of HRT very frustrating. Some of them... In what way? They, um, a lot of people, because there was a lot of free text comments, were saying that they didn't feel that their doctor had confidence. And that echoes some research we did through the forum a year or so ago, um, looking at that doctors felt not very confident, especially with younger women, about what to prescribe. Um, a lot of them said that the doctor didn't know what to prescribe. They're opening that book, you know, the yeah. BNF, and they're going through. Um, so they felt that they, you know, HRT is something you could potentially take forever. So it could be decades for a lot of women. They want to get that choice right. So they didn't feel very comfortable. Um, and then the most shocking thing really from the study for me was that 66% of women had been offered or given antidepressants instead of HRT. So there's one thing not treating the menopause because you're not sure what to do, but there's another thing giving antidepressants. Yeah. And as I'm sure you know, the guidelines are very clear that antidepressants shouldn't be used for low mood associated with the, the menopause. Um, we do use low-dose antidepressants for some women who can't have HRT, for example, some women who've had breast cancer. But that's a minority of women. This is the majority of women who, who could take HRT. And it echoes what I see in my clinic. 
Time after time I listen to women who tell me that their doctor's given them two, three, four, five different types of antidepressants. I've seen women that have been sectioned, women that have had really bad mental illness. No one's considered their menopause and, and I know it's related because when I give them a right balance of HRT they come back and their life's improved. So, so why are GPs and healthcare mm. professionals in general, why, why do they seem to have this uh, lack of understanding about HRT? Do you know, I, I reflect about it a lot and partly I had no undergraduate training about the menopause. I did obs and gynae, as we all do. I learned how to deliver babies. Great, but not very useful now. No one really talked about menopause. And then my postgraduate, as you know, I did a lot of hospital medicine. There was nothing mentioned then, but actually I was dealing with people with osteoporosis, heart disease, palpitations, urinary symptoms, all those things that can be related, migraines. Um, and then I did my GP training. I think we maybe had a one-hour lecture, you know, not very much mm. at all. Um, and then, as you, you might know, um, I started to experience some symptoms related to my perimenopause, didn't recognise them, thought it was because I was working too hard. And then, actually, when you sit in someone else's clinic, when you have something that happens to you yourself, you know, that brain fog, I can't tell you how horrible it is. You're, you're just wading through treacle trying to think about dates and what your children are going to have for supper or how you're going to prescribe the next medication because your brain's not working. Then you suddenly think, actually, I can't function. And then you know there's a treatment. And I suppose I'm even more passionate because I'm very open. I take HRT, but I wouldn't be working without it. My joints were stiff. My migraines were worse, you know. So I've got a hidden agenda because I know how much better I feel. But I've had to learn myself. I've sat in clinics. I've gone to conferences. I've read lots of articles. It's been all self-directed, which is wrong because if we live long enough, the menopause affects all women. Yeah. Um, so, from a healthcare professional perspective, in terms of their education, what do you think we should be doing? I think, do you know, I think there's two angles really. So, there's the healthcare professional angle, but there's a women's angle as well. So, as you know, I do a lot of work trying to empower women mm -hmm. so that they can make the right choices for them because menopause has to be individualised, we're all different, it's not just a one-size-fits-all. As you know, HRT is not just three letters, it's lots of different types and doses. Um, so, and also women can guide that GP consultation. In 10 minutes, it's not long, but actually if they go and say, look, I've read the NICE guidelines, I'm really low mood, I've got these symptoms, I think I'm menopausal, I'd like this type of HRT, what a lovely consultation. Whereas what's happening now is that women are going, they're bursting into tears, they're telling their GPs they can't sleep, they're feeling dreadful. So the GP, quite rightly really, is screening for depression, thinking, oh gosh, you're depressed, have some antidepressants. There's one problem, one consultation, out the door. But actually, there's lots of symptoms all related to one problem. So if the, if the women can help, that, that's a good thing. But then it's, the, it's about education. It's, it's got to be more at medical school. It's got to be more ingrained throughout. You know, my husband's a urologist. He sees hundreds of women with recurrent urinary tract infections, vaginal dryness. He now knows a lot about the menopause, but he, he should be part of his training too. Yeah. So, um, but it's doing it in, in easy ways. You know, doctors are really busy. The NHS is nearly broken. So there's no point saying to people, come on, you've got to learn about the menopause. But if we said to people, we've got a treatment that's more effective than statins and antihypertensives for lowering cardiovascular disease risk. We've got a treatment that reduces the risk of a osteoporotic hip fracture by 50% and increase in increases mortality, people will be lining up the door. But if you say to them that treatment's HRT, 
oh my gosh, that's, yeah. you know. Panic. So it is. So yeah. it's, um, and it's also, you know, in the BNF, there are lots of combination tablets. I can't pronounce half of them. I don't know what half of them contain. So there's a lot of confusion. So to be able to write this easy prescribing guide, which you very kindly allowed me to do, it's just to try and guide because it's actually very simple if you keep it simple. So <coughs> as a doctor, mm. a woman comes in, talk me through what they should be doing. So a woman comes in, certainly to my clinic, I get all my patients, Newman follow-up, to do this green clementeric score. You might have seen it's a scoring system, so the symptoms go from not at all to quite severe. And where can they find that? Um, well, it's on my website. Yes, oh. it's very easy. Women download it. And it's got symptoms such as um, concentration, memory, irritability, sleep, um, headaches, joint pains. It's got something about libido, so they know that I might talk to them about sex. Um, so they fill that out beforehand and actually a lot of women go gosh I had no idea my symptoms were all related I didn't know I thought I had dementia I thought you know so so actually they're quite reassured doing that so then they come in and then it's assessing whether they need HRT um, like I say the majority of women benefit from taking HRT so if a woman and most women do are otherwise fit and well they've got no contraindications and there aren't many really to, to HRT then I will talk to them about the benefits because as you know, it's not just for their symptoms, it's a reduction of um, future illnesses such as osteoporosis, heart disease, osteoarthritis, um, even dementia as well, which a lot of women, they just say, oh, I'm going to get through those symptoms and I'll come mm. out the other side. So it's looking at the bigger picture. I give them a lot of, we've got a lot, as you know, written information here. So I direct them to my website, but I give them physical paper. We talked about the journal. <laughs> Having physical paper is really good because yeah. then they leave it lying around. The children can read it. The husbands can read it. Um, so I give them written information. And then I usually talk to them about the choices. Um, with the oestrogen, I usually recommend through the skin as a patch or gel because there's no risk of clot. Um, also, tablet oestrogen can reduce libido by affecting the way our testosterone uh, binds. Um, so women who have low libido aren't going to thank you for something that makes it even worse. So um, the risk of clot is small with tablets. Um, so it's a double risk, but a double risk of a small risk is still low. Yeah. But if there's a good alternative, I you know give them that. And then um, if they've got a womb, they need to have a progesterone. The, the body identical natural um, micronized progesterone is the one that I give because there's better evidence for it. Um, or a coil, like a marina coil, which can provide endometrial protection. But then I also looking at any other symptoms, if they've got vaginal dryness, which is very common. We talk about local treatments, moisturizers, lubricants, even local oestrogen. And then it's usually when they come back, I'll then focus on their diet, lifestyle, exercise, that side of things. Because when you're menopausal, you can say to someone till they're blue in the face, you need to eat better, you need to exercise. But you know, when I was there, I just I couldn't bother what I ate. My joints were sore and stiff. I didn't want to do any yoga. You know, it's hard. Whereas when people get their hormones balanced, that's when the clinic gets even better because women come back and say, oh, I've just started exercising, I'm eating better, what can I do to improve my health? So it's looking at that whole holistic approach is really important. So what are the options that women should be considering as part of that holistic 
approach? Definitely diet. Um, I mean, I'm very interested in the whole gut microbes. So looking at anything that's going to balance our gut microbes, improve, because we know that if our gut health are happy, it improves our serotonin, our happy hormone. Um, and, and it can help reduce inflammation in the body, all sorts of things. So looking at not having processed food, not having um, sort of uh, sugar is quite bad as you know. <laughs> so, um, but being sensible, you know, food that we used to eat in the 70s and 80s, you know, food that we make from home is important. And then looking at exercise, anything that's going to help our bone strength reduce our risk of heart disease. What sort of exercise? Doesn't matter. It, there's no point saying to me, go and run three times a week. I'll never do it. Whereas you like running, do you know? Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's something that works for the person, I really strongly feel anything that works is good. Anything that gets the heart rate. You know, for some women, just running up the stairs is better than getting a lift. Yeah. So it's being realistic as well. There's no point being unrealistic and then gradually increasing, making sure it makes you feel happy. You know, even if it's just walking outside. Yeah. You know, I think it's really important. Just going back to the HRT um, mm. treatment. How long can a woman be on HRT? Because I think there's some myths mm, there around is, totally. there yeah. about some yeah. of those issues. So the guidelines have changed. So what we used to um, say to women is it's the lowest dose for the shortest length of time. So like get through your symptoms and then you can stop. Whereas all the evidence is there and the guidelines clearly reflect it, saying that women can need to have the the amount for them. So it's not good enough to have a few symptoms. You, they should minimise the symptoms or reduce them because women who have flushes and sweats have an increased risk of heart disease and osteoporosis. So they need to have the right amount for them and they can take it for as long as the benefits outweigh the risks. So that means they can take it in the long term. So my oldest patient's 93, who has some oestrogen. She had a hysterectomy when she was 38. So she had, doesn't have any risk of breast cancer. Oestrogen only, no risk of breast cancer. Through the skin, no risk of clots. She has a very small amount, but she's, you know, she's well. I personally would never stop my HRT because I don't want to get osteoporosis. I've seen so many women with osteoporosis of their spine. We know one in three women have an osteoporotic hip fracture. I don't want to be one of those women. So it's about why they take it. Whereas other women say, I only want to take it to get through my worst symptoms. So they might only take it for a few years and then stop. But it's great to have these guidelines that we can work towards. Okay. So, um, and, uh, so there's the HRT treatment and there's the pathway mm. around other options within that. There's the holistic therapy part as well, yeah. which I think is really important mm. in seeing outcomes. Is there anything else that you do with women that helps? Yeah, um, it depends. Sometimes it's about mindfulness, it's about sleep, it's about headspace. You know, we're all so busy, we're all so stressed. And some women come back and they say, oh, I'm still anxious, I'm still this. And then, you know, maybe their dog's died or maybe they've had a bereavement. And it's not all about hormones. So it's looking at the bigger picture. Um, I do talk to them sometimes about supplements. Things like magnesium can help with sleep and anxiety. A good fish oil can be really good for reducing inflammation, heart disease probiotic again looking at their gut health so I will look at those things as well and then as you know there's some women who who don't want to take HRT or who can't for medical reasons so again it's looking at alternatives for them and that's where low-dose antidepressants can have a, have a use there's some other drugs but we're often limited by side effects um, some of the herbal supplements can be beneficial but there's not good evidence so I tend to look more about their future health and rather than just their symptoms, because some of these things might help their symptoms, but they won't help their bone strength or reduce their risk of heart disease. So it's, it's trying to just 
educate really and, and give women a, a choice at the end of the day. And um, how often do you review women? So in my clinic, I review people after three months usually, um, and then it depends. I do prescribe testosterone, which is another hormone which um, isn't licensed for women in the UK, which hopefully will be in the future. So if I start then, then I'll review them after four or five months. So most women, I see then annually. So the guidelines say they should have an annual review, but my clinic's private. You know, it's private because it's very hard to get good menopause care on the NHS. So I'm always trying to get them to carry on with their GP. So I will, um, once they're stable, then I'll get them to go back to their GP. And I write very detailed letters, so hopefully the GPs are learning as well. Um, and so the annual review can be done by the GP. So I try not to see women too often, to be honest. You've talked to us about how dark it is for some women when mm. they first come in to mm. see you. Tell me about some of the positive outcomes once they've been treated with HRT or yeah. the holistic approach that you have. What, what sort of response do you get? Do you know, it's quite overwhelming. When I, do my, when I started my clinic, I had a notebook and I was writing down quotes and I would literally go home and feel like sobbing because people would tell me that they felt the shutters had closed, that they would no longer go out. Women tell me they've stopped going on holiday. They don't want to pack their suitcases. A lot of women have given up work. We've shown with the West Midlands Police, 21% of women have given up work because of symptoms related to the menopause. Um, and then when they come back, they're telling me they're going on holiday. You know, a lot of women go home and they say they have a cup of tea on the sofa, fall asleep. That's it. End of their afternoon. You know, that's wrong. Um, one lady told me she sells homes for a company and um, she used to go to the show home and every afternoon fall asleep on the, on the bed. It's <laughs> convenient. Yeah. And that was, you know, she said it was awful. I just feel so tired. And then... Six months after having HRT, she came back and she said she'd won show person or, or salesperson of the year award um, for, for the company. And she said it was just incredible. She's back to how she was. She's sparky. She wasn't tired. She's exercising. And her life has been transformed. And it's, it's, it's an incredible thing to give something that costs the NHS about £4 a month. So what, what I'm doing isn't expensive. Um, and actually, most women then have such better quality of life. So they're not going back and forth to their doctors. They're saving money for the NHS as well. So it's, it, it, it just shocks me that these women can't get something that's so easy. So what does the future look like? What does it look like? You know, what's the ideal yeah. for so, primary care yeah. so particularly? For, well, most, I mean, we did this through the survey, 92% of, of healthcare professionals agreed it should be primary care that menopause is managed. So, so and most women are low risk, so we should be able to manage them in primary care. My ideal was, would be, even initially, that every GP practice had somebody who was an expert in the menopause working with them. Um, but then those women, those, well, they're not often women, female GPs, they often get very booked, so then that's hard. Yeah. I'd like to, everyone to just be familiar with some basic menopause care. Um, it would be ideal if every woman could get the right treatment for her, but that's going to take a while. Um, but then there's a bigger picture. There's looking at menopause in the workplace. There's looking at menopause education. You know, school children should know about the menopause. My teenagers get told, it's when your periods stop. Well, yeah, that's the best bit. That's the easy bit about the menopause, isn't it? So, you know, the other day my daughter came home and she said, she said her, her friend's mum is crying all the time, really moody, really irritable, shouting at her all the time, bearing in mind they're teenagers, so, you yeah. know, there's even that. But then Jessica said, 
I think your mum's menopausal. She said, what do you mean? What does that mean? She, she, she said, I got up your website, mummy. I showed my friend. And then she said, her friend went home, showed her mum, who burst into tears and said, oh my gosh, this is everything about me. I had no idea it was my hormones. You know, and, and then Jessica said, well, and I was telling her about different types of HRT and about this, that, and And I thought, I just, isn't that brilliant? I feel like I've helped someone. And I... I thought it should be that it's open. We're so open, aren't we, now, the way we talk yeah. about all sorts of things. Um, so there shouldn't be the taboo, you know. So it's, it's not just healthcare professionals, but it's, it's wider. Everyone, men should be talking. You know, it's great that you're a man sitting here <laughs> talking about the menopause. But, you know, it's, it's really important because we've all got partners, we've got brothers, sisters, we've got aunts. If, you know, somebody knows someone who's menopausal. Um, and it's quite isolating and scary when your body changes. So how do we get to that point? By all working together, making a big noise. You know, I'm doing some work with um, uh, an MP, so it's going in the House of Parliament, which is good. I've met with Dame Sally Davis, Chief Medical Officer. It, it's making a noise. It, it's inexcusable that people are denied an effective, cheap treatment. Yeah. So, Louise, what's, what do you think is the long-term vision for menopause treatment in the UK? So, it's not just about doctors. We've talked about primary care, which is essential. I'd really believe that women should get the best treatment in primary care. But it's not just GPs in primary care, of course. So nurses have a phenomenal role. We know how well they've worked for cardiovascular disease, diabetes, asthma. We use our nurses all the time. Not only do they have longer consultations, they often have 20 minutes rather than 10 minutes, but they're very good, they're very empathic, they spend time. When I lecture nurses, I get a really positive response. And, and also a lot of them are my age, so they do have that whole wanting to know more for themselves. But also, nurses do smears. I've already mentioned how common vaginal dryness is. They often pick up, so it, it would be great for a nurse, when they do a smear, for example, ask, what, what are your periods like? Oh, the change of, oh, have you thought about, let's give you some information, come back. So nurses are very good, but pharmacists also, a lot of women, um, well, a lot of people sadly can't get an appointment as easily as they could with their GPs, go to the pharmacist. And sadly, I hear a lot of women tell me they go to the pharmacist, say they're having some symptoms and the pharmacist, oh, have you tried some of this supplements? Actually, no, wouldn't it be great if the pharmacist, they've all got rooms that they deal with emergency contraception, would be great for pharmacists to think about prescribing um, even if they can't initiate it they can talk about treatment options give them factual information about HRT so it's trying to get everyone on board is really important so you're clearly passionate about it <laughs> uh, I mean everyone knows that and it's fantastic what we need to do is get everybody else passionate yeah, about it. Totally. And I think we need to inspire people, and you're inspiring mm. people, which is fantastic. So we can help do that. Yeah. And uh, I think through the Primary Care Women's Health Forum, we've got an opportunity to do Brilliant. it. Brilliant. There's so many opportunities, definitely. Yeah. So to finish off, because I think we've probably just about done our time, um, talk to me about you. What does a typical day look like in this clinic for you? Oh, in this clinic, we've only been open three months, this clinic, so it's busy. You know, it's busy because I'm sorting out patients, but I'm sorting out my staff. You know, to have happy staff is the most important thing for me. So I'm really lucky I've got good staff. So come in, see patients. Um, not every day I do patients, see patients, but I see a lot of patients. But we also do training here as well. So um, we have got six GPs working with me, so we have um, 
meetings regularly to talk about education, talk about different difficult patients, um, talk about some, some research that's gone on, so that's really important. I often have research meetings because we're setting up some research here as well. Um, so it's quite varied and I sometimes do some media work, as you know, I try and empower women through the media as well. So it's really varied, um, but as you know, I've got three children, so I'm constantly taxiing them around, <laughs> often going to a concert or, you know, getting panic phone calls because something else is happening. So, yeah, it's a bit chaotic. Yeah, my life is not that calm. So tell me what you can't get through a week without. What's uh, important to Louise? The most important thing to me is my yoga practice. So I do Ashtanga yoga, which is quite powerful, dynamic yoga. It's called Ashtanga yoga. So every movement is with a, uh, every breath, there's a different movement. You do, I do the primary series. It takes about an hour and a half to go through. And I do it at least twice a week. So as I think you know, Wednesday morning is my sacred time to do it. But I've, I've got a yoga studio here, so I do it here. And all my staff have yoga too, which is great. So I do that twice a week, and it's a very good... For me, personally, it's very good holistic exercise. So I'm, it's good for my muscles, it's good for my cardiovascular system, but it's also good for my head. When I'm mm. doing a headstand, I'm focused. And to keep focused is really important. So yes, that is my passion. That's your passion. <laughs> Louise, thank you so much. Um, where can healthcare professionals and women find more information? Well, totally the forum's website, because it's been revamped, it's brilliant. Um, Obviously, oh well, obviously the, the Menopause Doctor website that I've created does have a medical evidence section. Um, it's been going to be used through the Royal College of GPs, which I'm very excited about. But I try and drip feed information that's there, keep it up to date. Um, it's really important to get evidence-based education. That's the key. So working with the forum is definitely the way to go. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you for sparing half an hour in your busy day um, to talk to me and to talk to the forum about what you're up to. That's great. Thanks, Carl. Thank you Thank so you. much. This podcast was produced and edited by E4H, all rights reserved. This podcast is provided for information purposes only. Please consult your healthcare provider regarding any medical conditions you may be concerned about. Podcast guests, views and opinions are their own.